Brilliant. Well, we're now going to hear um, the word of God. And Emmanuel's going to preach just today. And many of you know Emmanuel already. Give him a warm welcome. Go on. If you haven't met Emmanuel, then you haven't frequented our coffee and tea stand before the service often enough. Um, but I just want to wholeheartedly commend um, him to you. I want to ask you to open your hearts. And can we all just pray now for, for Emmanuel that he would speak the words God had given, God's given him to him. So, Father God, I thank you for this man of faith. I thank you that um, he is preaching from your word. And that means he's got a treasure trove of true, godly, life-filled, refreshing words um, to speak to us. God, I pray that you would help him to bring out the treasure that you put in his heart. And that we would, um, yeah, leave today with our hearts singing with faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Am I on? Yes. So, I'm here to talk about how we see the kingdom of God through the story of Abraham and more specifically his obedience and the fruit, um, the fruits of his obedience. Let me just go back a slide. There we are. Cool. So we're going to start off by just getting a brief overview of the story of Abraham, just in case, just get familiar with it again, basically. So I'm about to read Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 to 8. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there and also to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So this part of the Bible basically gives us uh, an intro into the story of Abraham. It tells us, it shows us his calling, uh, how God approached him and said, come with me to this foreign land. And, uh, and uh, this, this, is, this is the land that your descendants would inherit, basically. And this is just the first part of the journey of Abraham. There are numerous parts. Uh, for example, there's a, during his journey, Abraham goes to Egypt and he ends up lying to Pharaoh saying that his wife is actually his sister and deceives him and, and Pharaoh ends up taking his wife, which no surprise there. And then it also happens again with, uh, with uh, someone called Abimelech who um, also once again heard from Abram that Sarai was his sister and so took her. But then what, what I always think when I read this is like, firstly, how beautiful was she? Is that... <laughs> that wherever they go, <laughs> Abraham is scared that people will kill him for her. And kings just straight away seem to just, you know, gravitate towards her. I was just so surprised. Abraham was clearly blessed. And, 
And, yeah, so Abram's, there's, there's just a lot more within his journey. Um, he's promised a child through God. Uh, God even came down himself to uh, deliver this promise. Uh, and it was, a, it was such an old age that uh, Sarah even laughed. Like, she didn't believe this. God made covenants with Abram. But before we go through the journey of Abraham, let's go back to the start before we reach anywhere and say, why did Abraham follow God before he had given him anything? As in, what was that? Uh, it's, it's in Joshua 24 uh, that actually, apparently, Abraham and his uh, father were idol worshippers before this. So why would Abraham just leave the comfort of his father's house and just go and, and follow this voice in the sky? The answer is faith. So what is faith? Uh, we read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'll just wait a bit. And this is very short. This just gives a, a very brief description of faith. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Which is pretty packed in like, a really short sentence. Uh, the NCV version puts it more simply as, Faith means being sure of things we hope for, and knowing that something is real, even if we do not see it. So let's, let's see some examples of uh, people within the Bible exercising faith. First, let's start with David. When David was just a youth, he, he had faith. They were uh, fighting against the Philistines, and the soldiers, they saw Goliath, and they, they were scared. They, they were scared, and they ran, and they told Saul, and they were like, surely we'll be defeated today. But David, just a young boy, said, no, who is this guy that he's going to defeat the army of the Lord. It's not going to happen. And this is, this is immense faith from someone that just wasn't as mature as the people around him. And his faith rewarded him. He did defeat Goliath. And now we read the story and we, you know, we, we take um, inspiration from it in this day and age. Uh, there are numerous other examples of faith. There's the centurion who goes to Jesus and says that his servant is paralyzed. And Jesus says, yeah, okay, I'll come and I'll heal him. But this, the centurion understood that Jesus didn't need to be there, didn't need to be inside his house for his servant to be healed. And this, this surprised Jesus. Jesus. It says in the Bible that Jesus marveled. He marveled and said, in nowhere in Israel have I seen faith as great as this. That's amazing. That's, that's a huge commendation. I'd love it if Jesus, if Jesus was able to say that about me. There's also an exa another example, which is the woman who had been suffering with uh, bleeding for 12 years. She had huge faith. She, she didn't think that Jesus needs to come to me. Jesus needs to focus attention on me. Jesus needs to touch me in order for me to be healed. She said, all I need to do is just touch his cloth and I will be healed. And that one act of faith removed a problem that had been bothering her for 12 years. So faith is definitely powerful. But exercising faith is often inconvenient, not only for us, but also for the people around us. Think of David, for example. When he ran to fight Goliath, what were his brothers thinking? They were there on the field with him. They were thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I just imagine it from my perspective. I, I'm the youngest of six, and I'm just thinking, if I, if I ran out to fight Goliath, what would my brothers be thinking? They... <laughs> They'd be thinking he's gone crazy, he's mad. But in actual fact, 
though David was though David was fully confident in God, they didn't know this, and therefore this was highly inconvenient for them. But faith, even though it's inconvenient, is necessary, especially because it enables what we're going to talk about next, which is obedience. Faith enables obedience. <laughs> I should I should probably say. Um, the title of this is meant to be Obedience Goes Against Your Convenience, which is something I probably should have said at the start, but at least you know now. Um, I changed a different picture. <laughs> um, to be obedient to God is to submit to him. It's to be faithful to him. It's to allow him to take position as God over your life. This, this is obedience. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He obeyed. The Lord asked Abraham to offer Isaac as a burnt sacrifice, his only heir, his only son through Sarah. That's highly inconvenient. <laughs> but though obedience may be difficult, it's, it's necessary, and it's always for the better. Disobedience, however, which Abraham is guilty of quite often, disobedience comes through a lack of faith in God's word and an inflated opinion in our own wisdom. Which is wrong. Because what is our wisdom compared to the Lord's? Folly. When speaking to God's people, Isaiah says in Isaiah 5.21, Woe to them who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. You see, in the kingdom of God, there is a total dependence and trust in God's wisdom. And Abraham eventually learns this. He, he, he goes on a journey with God. There are periods where he slips, but there are also periods where he just, like, he smashed it. He got it bang on. And he eventually realized that God's wisdom is perfect. It's always correct. So when God asked him to offer his only heir as a sacrifice, he still did it. Well, he didn't actually do it, but as in he still was going to do it, which is... Which is just amazing. We, we think in this day and age, what, do we have any challenges on that scale in this day and age? And even if we did, would we be as faithful and as obedient as Abraham? So uh, just when I was reading through the, the uh, main root of disobedience and a kind of the phrase, an inflated um, opinion of our own wisdom, it, it got me thinking of a situation I was in uh, last week, where I was coming back to Oxford, I, uh, I, I missed my train, and it was a train that it was that had two changes. So basically, I made, I only, not only missed that train, but the train after and the coach after it as well. So I was I was very annoyed. It, it was not a very good situation. So I I, I just sat down. Um, actually, at first I asked what what should I do, and then this guy says I need to speak to a train guard, and I sat down after I calmed down and just talked to God, and I felt God say to me just. Just go to the platform, sit down, wait, and someone will come. And I was like, okay. And then the train that was meant to be leaving an hour after the previous departed arrived around 20 minutes early, and they were preparing and stuff. And then I see this guy walk out with uniform that's different from everyone else. So, you know, it was, it was clear that he was, he, he was of higher rank, so to say. He, he was the boss. And I looked at him, and I was like, wait, I could just go there and sweet talk this guy and see if he'll let me on the train. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to do it. And then I was quickly reminded of what God had said. And I don't know about you, but when what God says, 
or what, when what we think God says disagrees with our conventional wisdom. The first thing that always pops to my mind is, did God really say that? Yeah. Did he really say that? And I, I, deep down, I think I knew he did. But I kind of just wanted to follow what I thought was right. But in that situation, I said no. I, I uh, sat down and I waited. And then about like 10, 15 minutes later, a woman uh, with a suitcase comes walking. And I, don't know, I just felt like God saying, go speak to her. So I walked up to her, explained the situation. I was like, I'm looking for the train guard. And she says, yeah, no, that's me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so can I jump on the train? And she's like, yeah, jump on for free. It, it was just, it's just amazing. It's like, I, I was looking at this man. I, I, all I could see was what was on the outside. You know, I was like, oh, he's got a different uniform on. Oh, his shirt's nicely ironed. Oh, he must be, he must be a huge person. But in actual fact, the person I needed, needed to speak to hadn't arrived yet. And who knows what would have happened if I'd gone to speak to him. Yes, I may have still got on the train for free, but... I'd prefer to get on the train by being obedient to God than by trusting in my own wisdom. Because once again, I'll, I'll repeat it, um, Isaiah 5, 20, 21. Woe to them who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Your own wisdom might, let you, might get, get you the benefits sometimes, but sometimes it, they may cost, it may cost you. But the thing about God's wisdom is that it's, it's 100% accurate. True wisdom itself comes from God. So there's just no way that, your, that true wisdom actually contradicts what God's asking you to do. Yeah. So being obedient also leaves you vulnerable. The uh, covenant of circumcision is a great example of this. I've got a slide. <laughs> um, I'm going to read... Uh, Genesis 17, 10 to 11, just to give you an overview of what the covenant of circumcision was. Um, it says, This is my covenant, which you shall keep, between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Every male in the household. You know, like, I can imagine just after, after going through that, they were, they were weak. They were defenseless. They, they was, if they were under attack in that specific moment, they wouldn't have been able to defend themselves. A few chapter, chapters later in Genesis 34, we see, we see that happen. Um, Jacob's daughter was raped, and um, Simeon and Levi, his two sons, used this act, which was meant to enable blessing from God, to actually uh, take down an entire city. Because they had underwent this um, process, they, they were weak, they were defenseless, they were vulnerable. This was just what, just like what Abraham and his household was during this occasion. Now, God asked Abraham also to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. We think, how would this act of obedience have changed him? Let's say he went through with it. Would he be the same person again? And he would be the heir to his household? Would all the wealth and all the riches that he'd gathered and all the blessings that he's received, would they just go to someone who wasn't even related to him? And I also think, actually, that how would the, house, the men in his household have reacted? Because they, they haven't spoken to God. They, they just, like Abraham just comes home one day and says, you guys have got to do all of this. You think, 
like their obedience in itself, because they, they've not heard this voice. They've not seen this God saying this to them, but yet they obeyed Abraham as well. Obedience goes against your convenience. It's not about you. It's about what God can do through you. And most of the time, it's often very inconvenient. Through all of this, Abraham was obedient. His obedience enabled a growth in his relationship with God. We, 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 see that, we see that God even comes down in the form of a man to speak to him. Who else would love that, that kind of privilege? Where like, it'd, just, it'd just be so amazing. You could ask every question. Be like, what, what happened? What about dinosaurs? Are those real? How do you explain that? <laughs> you, you would just... You would just, it'd just be the opportunity for a free Q&A for you to talk to God. It'd be amazing. It'd be an amazing privilege, but God hasn't done that to me personally. I don't know for it, um, his reasons, but the main point to get across is that through obedience, that, um, through the obedience that Abraham showed, he was actually able to build a strong relationship with God. And a quality of the kingdom of God is the strength of a relationship possible between God and his people. It's possible, which means it's not forced upon you. Like You can still be um, a child of God, but there's just always that added level of intimacy that you can get with it. So I, I guess the question to kind of ask you guys as I hand over to Al to lead the response is, what's your relationship with God like? Thank you. What a question to be left with. Um, what is your relationship with God like? When we were praying about this morning, um, we spent some time praying together and asking God what it was he wanted from us. And something that came out really strongly was this sense of relationship. And actually, if you read Abraham's story in overview, at the start, he's just a recipient of words. So the first time you see him, God says to him, you know, leave your family and the place that you are and go to a country I'll call you. Abraham says nothing at this stage, he just obeys. And then as the story goes on, um, God says to him, you know, I'll give you descendants and make you make your name great. And, and Abraham sort of queries it a bit and says, you know, but God, what about the facts that, you know, I've not got any kids? And, and there's a sort of just a little bit of dialogue. And then you read on a little bit further and God comes and visits Abraham, like Emmanuel was saying, and meets with him face to face. And he says, and, you know, will I conceal from Abraham what I'm going to do? And he explains what he's going to do. And then Abraham says, God, are you sure about that? How does that work? You know, you're judge of all the earth when you do what's right. And, and there's this dialogue backwards and forwards. And Abraham is querying what God's doing and trying to understand. And God explains it to him. And they grapple with stuff together. And, and Abraham gets God's wisdom. And there's this move from right at the beginning where he just hears and obeys. And that's great. Through a sort of a dialogue and into a conversation and a relationship where there's backwards and forwards with God. And we felt this morning that Actually, there's something for us all here to grow in our relationship with God. Starting with faith, through constant faithful obedience into relationship. Um, could we possibly have the band back up? That would be great, because in a minute it would be lovely to have some music. 
you know, Abraham's faith steps covered all aspects of life. So this isn't presupposing what it might be like for us to to be obedient. You know, for, for Abraham, it was relationships, kids, war, um, his physical body, where he went, who he, you know, who he related to. his wealth, um, everything, all of that was part of the disobedience thing for him. So um, what I'd like to invite us to do in a second is to stand up. In fact, should we stand up now? That'd be great. Um, And we're going to sing together in just a minute. And what I want to invite you to do is if you feel God stirring this in you, like, yes, God, I want to take a greater step into relationship with you. Maybe it's that first step of actually have you put your trust in Christ. And there was that call from Rod, wasn't there? Have you made Christ Lord? Maybe that's the thing that, you know, you, you say, yeah, that's, that's my first step. I want to make Christ my Lord and put that first step of faith in him. Maybe it's that opening up to actually talking to God and hearing what he says. Maybe it's saying, do you know what? I, God and I, we have some to and fro, but actually I want it to be a conversation. I want to encourage you to come up here to the front and we're going to start over here and just while we sing, I want to encourage you just to come with me and to walk here along the front. Because it says that Abraham walked before God in obedience. And I just think sometimes we can do something physically that shows that we're committed to it. And I, we're just going to walk as we sing right across here, over, over there. I don't know why we're just going to <laughs> go over there. Um, just as a sign, that actually, God, this is, it's not just a momentary decision for me. It's not just me saying, yes, I, I'll do something, God. But it's actually it's a walk of obedience in faith that leads to greater relationship.